for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. Interviews, news, and views. This is State of the Nation with Steve Hook and Brian McClain. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, well, we've made it through one hour. It's time for Hour 2 of State of the Nation on TNT Radio with me, Steve Hook, and my buddy Brian McClain from Texas. Well, he's from Texas. I'm from New Jersey. Uh, Hesher, good to see you back. Uh, it's a good uh, good first hour. We've got a big second hour. And I wanted to touch on something that you had kind of brought up there towards the end with Tyler. And I, I wish that we almost had more time with Tyler because that's such yep. a good point you brought up about Jack Smith. And you can tell <laughs> Tyler was rather hot and heavy to talk about <laughs> Jack Smith as a zealot. And he is. There's no question about that. Uh, he's been he's had cases bounced out of the Supreme Court. He's it's an open joke inside uh, the DOJ that Jack Smith is a uh, is, is a decided political animal when it comes to selective prosecutions. Uh, and the uh, the evidence is kind of bearing that out regarding Trump and all that. Uh, you want to touch on Jack Smith, your thoughts? Uh, what more can be said? I mean, a total zealot for sure. Uh, but I'm I'm really glad to see that uh, some more evidence is going to be allowed to be released into uh, the records here. You know, it's <laughs> uh, President Trump has said he used presidential powers to declassify these materials, insisting he's not guilty and calling the, the case an attempt by his political foes to hamper his 2024 presidential run. And, you know, anyone who's looked into the presidential powers and who was the president at the point these documents were, uh, you know, taken, and then compare that to Vice President Biden and his document collection, uh, it's pretty it's pretty cut and dry, you know, that this is uh, a zealot sort of politically weaponized case. And of course, it's aimed at disrupting his 2024 run. I mean, it's it's very obvious. And like we were talking about earlier, it's like, What's the end game here, guys? What is the end game? Because if more division is it and more Trump supporters is it, well, uh, in a way, maybe that's a successful uh, campaign of lawfare. <laughs> well, you know, we've talked about it in the past, and Jack Smith is a uh, is a perfect foil. It, it, when we talk about lawfare, and we, when we talk about process is the punishment, Jack Smith is a poster boy for that. I mean, Jack yeah. Smith is an absolute poster boy for that. We know that this Mar-a-Lago case, so much of it is going to get tossed right out of court. But the length of time that it takes to, to make the allegations, to have all the three big networks talk about it, to have Joe Scarborough and Mika go on and on and on ad nauseum about it, that's the punishment. And Jack Smith is more than willing to play that role, even though at the end of the day, a lot of this stuff is going to get thrown out for the garbage that it is, garbage in, garbage out. And I guess they're thinking, uh, looking at it from a political strategy point of view, is that this will tarnish Trump bad enough uh, where we can we can overcome him, even though we have a doddering, cognitively gone sock puppet, as you say, uh, as, as, as our guy. I just don't know that that's going to play because... As we pointed out again and again, every time they attack Trump, he gets stronger within his own base. And Biden's base is shrinking. The numbers prove it. And how can it get better from here? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't either. And, you know, we should also keep in mind that this particular Trump case 
um, will be tried under the complex rules laid out in the Classified Information Procedures Act, the CIPA, which governs how these sort of documents can be used in court. Uh, CIPA Section 4 motion asks the judge to redact certain information from classified documents that are turned over to the defense. And it's a seven-stage CIPA process. It's a sequential process, meaning one stage has to be completed before going on to the next. And the key issue is that a delay at one stage of this process can affect the entire trial schedule. And normally I would expect, I'm no expert, I'm no lawyer, but I would expect that this sort of a CIPA process case like that could go on for a long time as is. So it'll be really interesting to see if they sort of accelerate it so that they can time this out the way that they're hoping to for the election, or if this can do what it would normally do, which is probably get bogged down in the legal process and take a very long time to complete, um, which, you know, is sort of the expectation in a fair trial under these circumstances. So will it be that? I don't know. I mean, maybe this new decision kind of points that it might be. Yeah, we'll see. And I'll tell you, it would be one thing if it was if Biden himself and his entire family wasn't under the microscope with judiciary and with oversight committee hearings and and the likes, it would be one thing. Then this kind of warfare lawfare may well play exactly the way it's intended to. <laughs> but 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 as this thing does get stretched out, being the process is the punishment. Uh, you know what's going to be happening in the background? Comer is going to be releasing more bank, uh, uh, you know, s- suspicious activity reports. We're going to find out new payments coming from either Burisma, coming from China, coming from Iran, coming from God knows where. Those slow drip drips are going to continue to come out. And the Jack Smith, uh, you know, tactic may not may not work in the end. We're just going to have to wait and see. But and it'll be interesting waiting and watching to see how it plays out. That's for sure. Hey, listen, if you have an upcoming community event, a rally, a march, a festival, maybe a fundraiser, and you want us uh, to give you a little bit of free publicity, well, TNT Radio is always happy to help out. Simply visit the What's On calendar at TNT Radio website. That would be tntradio.live. Submit your event details, and we'll get the word out for you on TNT Radio. It's the stuff. It's that division people are talking about. And that cluelessness that they want to push. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, well, speaking of corruption and grift, on Monday, the White House sounded an alarm that it will run out of money to provide weapons to Ukraine, oh God, in its fight against Russia without congressional action by the end of the year. So they're going to put this on Congress, I see. Here with the story, TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Well, Ruckus, it looks like uh, Republicans are about to be blamed for uh, for not funding the uh, war of cover-up in Ukraine. Have we got that about right? That's right, and that's going to hurt the bottom line of you-know-who, uh, the military-industrial complex, who sponsors this this real life story. See, uh, not like they sponsor the news, like the programs. No, these these people actually sponsor. They create the news, right? Uh, so, yeah, this this story brought to you by the military industrial complex. Uh, play on words here, but yes, the Biden administration pressuring Congress to dole out tens of billions of dollars with a B in military aid and economic assistance to Ukraine. Feels like Groundhog's Day, doesn't it? Uh, insisting that the Eastern European countries' effort to fend off Russia will collapse without it that's right only our money can save ukraine uh according to a report from the new york post um 
and others, as well as The Hill, I believe. The Office of Management and Budget Director Shalanda Young sent a letter to Senate and House leaders on Monday saying that the United States will run out of money to support Ukraine by the end of the year. From my watch and my calendar, that's coming up pretty quick. She went on to say that Ukraine's loss of U.S. support would hamstring the country's military effort. Biden has reportedly asked for a $105 billion aid package to support Ukraine, Israel, and other needs, but Capitol Hill has refused to make a quick decision. The aid package has been a topic of discussion since mid-October, but has yet to be approved. There is not only a growing skepticism about the sheer amount of U.S. funding going toward Ukraine, but there are Republicans supportive of the package who want to designate financial assistance to the U.S.-Mexico border as a condition for pushing the aid package through. It appears that the U.S. is almost single-handedly keeping the Ukrainian economy above water. Congress has already sent $111 billion to help the Eastern European country, including $27 billion dollars for economic and civil assistance, 10 billion for humanitarian aid and a staggering 67 billion dollars for military procurement. Young apparently said that all but just 3% of the funds the US provided was already depleted by the middle of November, according to the Associated Press. Uh quoting Young here, quote we are out of money to support Ukraine in this fight. This isn't a next year problem. The time to help a democratic Ukraine fight against Russian aggression is right now. It is time for Congress to act. Already our packages of security assistance have become smaller and the deliveries of aid have become more limited. If our assistance stops, it will cause significant issues for Ukraine. End quote. Young insisted that providing Ukraine with financial assistance is necessary to avoid a direct conflict with Russia. She reasoned that if Russia succeeds in Ukraine, it could attack a NATO country, which would trigger Article 5 of the NATO agreement. However, there is currently no timeline for how long the United States will have to continue shelling out taxpayer dollars to the Eastern Europe country. It is also unclear what a victory would look like for Ukraine. So, yeah, I suppose we should just give them some more money and find out. What do you guys think? (laughs) I'll tell you what I think. I'll tell you what I think. I think this, as I called it, it's a, it's a, it's a war of cover up. I think it's, I think it's abundantly clear that the Biden administration, and for that matter, many people inside the government, uh, frankly, on both both sides of the aisle, mostly Democrat, it must be said, but on both sides of the aisle, they don't want Ukraine to quote unquote win this war. They don't want that. They want the war to go on and on and on. And Ruckus, you rightly implied the military industrial complex is right behind that plan. That's for damn sure. And how do we know this? Because when Poland said that it would give Ukraine jets to fight this, I think it was F-15s or F-16s, as you can correct me if I'm wrong, but they said, we'll give them jets. Who was it? It was the government and the State Department of the United States that came forward and said, no, don't give them those jets. There's no intention of winning just an intention of continuing. And if it costs the American taxpayer a couple of hundred more billion, well, what's the big deal? None of the uh, Biden family secrets will come out. We won't find out about Mitch and uh, Elaine Chow. We won't find out about uh, Pelosi making money hand over fist. It's so bloody corrupt. Uh, and they have nobody to blame but themselves for everybody's cynicism about this. What do you think, Hesh? 
Yeah. Um, uh, let it run out. Let it run out. Uh, Congress, do your job. Do not allow these omnibus spending things to happen. Don't go tying uh, money for our border, our own border, to border issues and violence issues in foreign countries. I don't think that's too much to ask for, and I'd wager that you agree with me. Uh, that's ridiculous, especially at these terms. We've spent $111 billion on this particular conflict, and what do we have? We have over 500,000 people dead just in the Ukrainian side. That's half a million people. Those numbers are old, by the way, so it's much higher now. Uh, we're seeing nothing that looks like democracy in Ukraine. It looks like a government that's run by a corrupt little green man who's taking $111 billion from America, uh, enriching himself, enriching his wife. She goes on expensive jewelry buying trips to Paris uh, as they conscript more people to go die in that meat grinder. And now they're talking about pulling women in, conscripting women and if you watch the warfare that is available for you to see on Telegram channels, you'll see that this is brutal warfare. This is trench warfare, drone warfare, explosions, artillery. And, and uh, Steve brings up the, the jets. Of course, we couldn't give them the jets for the exact reason that Steve mentioned there. Once you have jets, you have no fly zones. Once you have no fly zones, you have a war on your hands. And um, that is just a little too much. And, and we just learned recently, it was covered here on TNT, that, um, that there was a, uh, a potential for a ceasefire that was about to happen. And some of the Ukrainian officials were, were down with it. They were into it. And then Boris Johnson flies in, right? How do they drop Boris? Does he come in on a parachute with his little with his little flags? Is that how Boris lands to visit the little green man and say, no, 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 no. We got your back. Keep sending those, those men and boys into the meat grinder. And if you run out of men and boys, start sending the babushkas in there too. We'll send them some tanks. But those tanks, sorry, they're not going to have the active denial uh, you know, uh, measures on them. They won't be able to combat incoming Russian munitions and everybody in those tanks are going to die. Okay. That's yeah. what's happening. That's what's really happening there. And, and the military industrial complex, you guys are both absolutely right. They are the benefactors of this and the U S government, because look what the U S government did with FTX. They had a scam. Speaking of Biden scams, financial scams, they had a full on campaign scam and money laundering scam where they were buying FTX from Sam Bankman-Fried, sending it to Zelensky and Ukraine, and then they would cash out whatever they need and then send back more money back to the DNC. If that isn't like a potential laundering at an international level, I don't know what is, Steve. Uh, well, it is, and that's just it. You know, it's it's funny. They use the same... What, what this is, it's, it is a money laundering operation. It's It's been a, it's been a scam since before... Uh, Russia ever even pulled up to the to the Ukrainian border. This kind of crap was going on, and now we're seeing it with our own two eyes. And 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 the message from from from, from NATO and especially from the U.S. as much as it pains me to say, seems to be: tell you what, uh, President Z, you provide the cannon fodder, we'll provide the cash, uh, and we'll determine what you can do with that cash. And don't worry, there will never ever. We will never look at where this cash is going. There will be, you know, and, and that's just what I think Americans are waking up to this. Uh, I pray they are because this is, you know, I, I often said, man, that, that there's no white hat, black hat in this. Nobody would argue that Putin is a great guy. 
Uh, he's not. But what's our what's you know the, the left whenever it's a war that they don't want they always say what's our exit strategy doesn't nobody's even discussing exit strategy with this they're discussing how we can get more money into into papa z's hand it, it's very very odd yeah yeah and this is the same country whose exit strategy from afghanistan was to occupy it for 21 years and then hand it right back over plus all of our military back over to the Taliban, the people they originally started to wage war on. So uh, if that gives you any indication as to where this could go, <laughs> maybe we should take yeah. pause and think about the multiple U.S. presidencies that saw that through to its heinous, disgusting ending. Uh, Ruckus, anything further on this before we let you go? A uh, quick side note, uh, U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin was hanging out at Simi Valley, California on Saturday at the Reagan National Defense Forum, where he said, quote, Ukraine's high burn rate for artillery artillery has hammered home the need to invest even more in munitions. And quote, that's right. He was selling everybody on the idea that we are, quote, uh, he said that the U.S. military has launched, quote, the most ambitious modernization effort in nearly 40 years for our defense industrial base, end quote. And he was talking about making money and that tens of thousands of good Americans will see jobs in more than 30 states. So, yeah, it's good for jobs, gentlemen. Just remember that. <laughs> Poppycock. Poppycock. Good for jobs. No, what's good for America is us having our military industrial complex reined in and creating the kind of munitions and defense force that we need to defend ourselves, not the kind that we take into the Middle East or into other countries and just give away to other people. You know, it's, uh, it would be one thing if we had a surplus of money and munitions right now, but we actually have the opposite of that. Our level of readiness is uh, questionable at best. All right, thanks, Ruckus. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Chris Smith. Despite being used to protect travelers from terrorists, hijackers, or violent drunks, or those who were drugged out as they board, and this has been going on since 1961, they won't be around this Thanksgiving. None of them. Air marshals were always meant to be invisible. Well, you can guarantee that this Thanksgiving. Ironically, the Biden administration has been hijacking air marshals for all kinds of other duties, leaving the passengers they were meant to guard and protect completely helpless. Air marshals have been lumbered with assisting the chaos on the southern border. They might be called air marshals, but an unknown number are now seconded to work on the ground. Maybe they're ground marshals now, marshalling illegal immigrants on the border and doing the job supposedly meant for the United States Customs and Border Protection. Where are they? Chris Smith on TNT Radio. The Lights is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory page for spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. They've launched a new service called Wake Up Your Neighbours where you can get copies delivered to the streets right around you if you don't want to do it yourself. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk It's time to switch on today's News Talk Radio. Very entertaining. Yeah! TNT. All right, you know, uh, considering what we just talked about with Ruckus, you know, this whole concept of bundling different funding together for things that just don't match, you know, it's kind of like uh, the 
legislative economic version of cramming a square peg in a round hole, I guess. Uh, but they've had a lot of success with it. You've seen the omnibus bills. You've seen the uh, Inflation Reduction Act and the ways in which those are just, you know, pork laden. Well, um, is, this is affecting our border, too. So progress on border talks has screeched to a halt as Democratic negotiators have come under intense persuasion from progressives and immigration activists, further complicating potential passage of aid for Ukraine in the coming weeks. How about that? Uh, negotiators returned from the Thanksgiving break on an optimistic note, indicating that they had made progress on changes to asylum and that the ball was moving in the, the right direction. However, the talks have become increasingly stagnant, especially as the drumbeat of concern from the left about the direction of talks has gotten louder and pressure increases to unlock a supplemental deal that can reach President Biden's desk. Now, this is basically that same problem that we're seeing here, if I'm reading this correctly. We're trying to put things together that don't match. Ukraine should have nothing to do with our southern border. Um, and joining us now to discuss this and a, a number of other border topics is immigration attorney from Valdez and Associates and, of course, an immigration policy analyst and a good friend of the show, Esther Valdez Clayton. Welcome back to State of the Nation. What do you think about this? I mean, you deal with stuff on the ground. You deal with people, victims of all of the terrible things that are connected to the open border while our Congress is sitting up there trying to figure out how many other issues they can cram into, hey, what are we going to do about the border? It's really frustrating because all of the policy, all of the politics negates what's fundamentally happening here at the border. I'm here in San Diego, about 20 miles away from the U.S.-Mexico border, the largest border city in the United States, bordering uh, Mexico. We're looking at 40,000 migrants that have been dropped off here in the streets of San Diego. They have nowhere to go. San Diego right now is going anywhere between 40 to 50 degrees. It's getting very cold. But not only that, just recently, within the last 24 hours, CBP is reporting there's 10,000 migrant apprehensions a day. Imagine 2.2 million migrant apprehensions every single year of the Biden administration Add to that the start of the fiscal year in October 1st, 10,000 migrants a day. We can't process them. We can't detain them. And that's why they're being dropped off into suburban areas, into residential areas. These are people not just from Mexico, like my parents or like myself. These are people from nations that are not friendly to the United States interests. And when you go back to what Congress is doing, they're trying their best to close in the asylum loophole. All of them are coming in to seek asylum, but we do know factually only 80% of them, 80% of them are economic migrants. The rest actually have a valid asylum claim. That's what I do for a living. I assess their claims. I fight it in court. And if they have suffered torture, persecution on account of a, a political opinion, their race, their national origin, that is a valid claim if the government has caused the persecution. It is not a valid claim if they're, they're impoverished, if they're seeking a better life. We all want to help, but the reality is that the asylum laws are not meant to help economic migrants. And that's what Congress is bravely trying to do. They're not able to do it because like you mentioned, there's there's no liaison here between the Ukraine funding other than to sabotage 
sabotage the Democrats' impetus to want more funding and in exchange get something the Republicans want. I firmly believe it has to be standalone legislation. And again, legislation has to be dealt with in Congress by both our representatives and our senators. But the, because it's an election year and because immigration numbers are soaring, I think there's a lack of reality check with people who don't understand what's happening here, for example, in San Diego. More people are waking up to the fact that it's becoming costly, like in Chicago and in Boston. We have over 300 migrants currently sleeping at the San Diego airport right now because they have no place to go. We have the Board of Supervisors is going to vote possibly this week for $3 million more million from taxpayer funds to be able to house, feed, clothe migrants because we're getting so many and they're coming in through San Diego because Texas is overwhelmed, Arizona's overwhelmed, and most of them would just want to come into any port of entry. And San Diego is friendly because it's part of California. It's a sanctuary state. They won't detain you. They won't stop you. You can enter into private ranches. And the San Diego sheriff has said, our hands are tied. We cannot arrest them for trespassing or even for a misdemeanor because it's a sanctuary state and it's illegal and unlawful for law enforcement to be able to partner or cooperate with their federal counterparts in ICE. Wow. I tell you, Esther, that's just hearing you say that is so frustrating. For one, because we all know it's absolutely true. And for two, because it seems to be that the impetus for uh, for, for Democrats wrapping Ukraine aid in with the border is because they know damn good and well that they're not going to do anything about the border and if they say, well, we'll give you, a, you know, we'll give you crumbs, but we want billions for Ukraine. So, you know, people say, well, why are they so stupid on the border? They're not stupid on the border. This is their goal. This is Cloward and Piven as a strategy writ large, and it's being carried out on our southern border. And nobody on the left has any desire to stop it. And many people on the right are hamstrung to stop it. And and then you have you you mentioned uh, San Diego said oh well we can't do anything because we're a sanctuary state well if you had a federal government that gave a damn about the border they would supersede California law and they would put a stop to it and that's not likely to happen so is, are we just going to have to wait until the 2024 election to get actual real border security uh, with with the hopes that a Republican wins is that what is that what we're waiting for or are we just going to give our country away? That's a great question. I think fundamentally for me and something that you were targeting right now is why are Democrats wanting our country to fail? Why are they allowing 2.2 million new migrants to enter the United States? And for me as an immigration attorney, it's very frustrating because I have people from all over the world. They want to seek asylum and they have valid claims. They can, they have scars of rape, of gang rape, of brutality that was caused by their own government. But there's really a huge objective here. I think the nonprofits, along with the Democratic Party, we have to sit down and as Republicans and as conservatives and understand that there's a whole swath of people that we live next to and they vote for Democrats that want this country to fail because there's uh, more money for them. It's cheaper labor. There's more uh, manufacturing, more jobs that are available through by exploiting migrants. They pay them under the table. So that's a huge human trafficking scheme that enables cheaper labor so that we as Americans can afford a better way of life, especially in, under this type of inflation and the economic conditions. But also for Republicans as well, 
We need to push back because if we lose this election as well, what matters is not just the law, but the way the law is interpreted. That's what we call policy. That's what the philosophy of the entering administration means. When you vote for the Democrats, we know what they want. It's not just open borders. It's a stand down mentality. We will not enforce the law. We will manage. We will help you enter the United States, but we will not stop you and we won't deport you. Republicans on the other side, they are great at law enforcement. I love the policy side, like remain in Mexico or mandatory detention for anybody who enters here, the United States. But what we don't have as Republicans is the reality check that we have so many migrants here in the United States that if we were to, quote, deport them all, like some candidates have said, it's nearly impossible. It's yeah. not feasible. And we do need it in agriculture, manufacturing, hospitality, the restaurant right. industry. Hold, hold that thought right there. Thanks. Hold that thought right there, Esther. I'm sorry. I have to take a, a brief headline here. But when we come back, I want to pick up right where you left off, because you're right in pointing out that. Uh, we can't just say deport them all. We have issues to look at. We've got people that were born here that are at issue. We've got, you know, the the various definitions of dreamers we have to figure out. Um, and the sheer numbers are just untenable. So hold that thought. This is State of the Nation on TNT Radio. Oh, yeah? We interrupt the regular programming to bring you some breaking news. Breaking news. Flash. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. A U.S. airstrike killed five Iraqi militants near the northern city of Kirkuk as they prepared to launch explosive projectiles at U.S. forces in the country. A statement by the Islamic resistance in Iraq, an umbrella group representing several Iraqi armed factions with close ties to Tehran, said five of its members had been killed and vowed retaliation against U.S. forces. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda, it never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio, free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk, this is TNT Radio. Okay, immigration attorney and human rights advocate Esther Valdez-Clayton is our guest. Esther, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, um, but you know, what you were saying reminded me, I wanted to bring this one up to you because I think it fits right into what you're talking about, this paradigm that we're faced with. Check this out. Arizona border crossing to close so CBP officers can help process migrants. As we're getting like 10,000 a day in some sectors, they're actually closing legitimate border cross areas in Arizona so they can take those CBP employees and transition them to processing migrants by the tens of thousands. So that means people doing their normal business that need that border crossing open are now uh, facing, you know, almost punitive level uh, treatment here because we just cannot support these numbers. Notice how when they talk about immigration, especially the current administration, their terminology means exactly the opposite of what we want. When we talk about immigration law policy, that Mayorkas can go before the judicial panel and before the Senate and say, the border's not open. We are controlling the border. We're doing our job. We want more agents. And for them, what it means is we want more agents giving diapers, water bottles, and handing out granola bars and blankets. 
They're not enforcing. And for Republicans, we're thinking, well, if there's so many more agents and you're hiring more immigration judges and more ICE agents, why do we still have the record number? We haven't seen these numbers since the 80s when my family migrated here from Mexico legally too, but we haven't seen this spike in numbers. And the real worry, back to Stephen's point, is demographically, once you change the demography of a country, you also change the culture. And right now, the fight in Israel is our fight too. And I wholly stand with the state of Israel because it's really about Western civilization. We have people, not just from Mexico, Mexicans and Americans, we have the same values, the same religion. We speak European languages. We have our colonizers. We're from Europe as well. We have similar cultural values. Most of them come here to live, work, and to make peace, no harm. There's never been a Mexican terrorist. We're having apprehensions from Iran, from Iraq, from Syria, from Russia, people that are not just fr not friendly to the United States, but they, they also have other cultural values, values that are fundamentally targeting, such as um, anti-Semitism as part of their culture as well, misogyny, female genital mutilation. And how do I know this? Because I represent them in court, the victims of these minority groups. So this is something that we have to realize as Americans. It's not just about immigration. It's about demography. Demography is destiny. And if we don't understand the demographics that are going to forever change with 2.2 million apprehensions and entries into the United States, we're going to, like Stephen said, miss out on our country, probably lose our country and not because of lack of people, but because the culture is fundamentally going to change as well. Well, we, we and you know what, Esther, to that point, we've seen this very play played out before in Europe. I mean, you know, you've got Stockholm. Stockholm, Sweden used to be, and it still is a gorgeous city, but it's now the rape capital of Europe. And we can all thank Andrea Merkel for her wonderful, everybody in the EU takes all these refugees. But, but you know, I mean, it's, it's not even just the cultural differences. It's th these people on the left, it seems. And of course, we've got the people on the right as well, especially the Republicans are all about uh, you know, the, the chamber of commerce types that want the cheap labor, that, that point is well made as well, but we have people on the left that not only don't stand up for American tradition, values, uh, culture, they don't even believe in it. They not only don't believe in it, they think that the world would be better without it. And if, if that means open borders, if that means a few more rapes, if that means female genital mutilation, then so be it because we're all just a bunch of damn colonizers. It is so uh, it is so insipidly evil and so wrongheaded. But these people are, you know, as 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 uh, uh, what, what's the old line? You know, they, they are they're comforted by their by their own conscience, as uh, as C.S. Lewis would say, they're they're driven by their own conscience and they know theirs is more important than yours. So shut up and, and accept your fate. That seems to be the the message. We have fundamental ideological differences. And when people uh, always target conservatives by saying, wow, you're being racist, you're allowing the Ukrainians in, but none of the Haitians because they're black and they're being false, they're being whipped by border patrol agents. That is false. The majority of the migrants that are coming in at the border are non-white. They're coming from 70 countries. The Ukrainians are but a tiny percentage of what was allowed in. Most are from Cuba, Nicaragua, Latin America, even China now. Most of them are non-white. What we're really targeting and the biggest threat is not a racial replacement, but a replacement of ideology. And 
I'm a Christian. My father was a Baptist minister. This is fundamental for myself as a woman because I don't want to live in Sweden. I want to live in America when I, where I can be a single mom. I can be a single parent, own a business without fear of being raped simply because I'm a woman or even living in Mexico, which has one of the highest femicide rates in the world as well. So this is what we're fighting. And it's just illogical to me when I see especially a lot of Caucasian women who, you know, they've never lived outside of the United States. They don't know that if they go down to south of the border, they're just meat ripe for exploitation. But yet they're voting for their own demise as women, the demise of their children, of their home. It's just illogical. But that is what we have to address, is that there are people that want this country to fail. And those of us who want to protect our homes, our children, our values, our businesses, we're not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. I'm not moving out of my state. I love this state. I was born here. And for those of us still here, we're still fighting on here, even through immigration, through the border, and even through Gavin Newsom, who, of course, wants to be the vice president in the, in the election or even president. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, hey, there's a whole nother conversation that we're going to need to have. Uh, we were talking about that earlier in the show. Nobody wants that. Even if you like slick teeth and hair and you think you might want that, trust me, <laughs> as a California refugee, you do not want that for reasons we do not have time to go into because we're just about out of time here. Esther Valdez Clayton, of course, Valdez and Associates, if you need to reach out, that's where you find her. Um, Esther, your final thoughts as we close out this segment today. Thank you for being with us. Well, keep an eye on what's going to happen in 2024. The migrant apprehension numbers are going to continue. And just like DeSantis said, they're already in here. They probably entered through the southern border to activate terror cells. It's unfortunate, but our government is allowing it to happen. All right. Yep. Well said. All right. Esther Valdez Clayton, thank you for joining us here on State of the Nation. This is TNT Radio. Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Well, of course, the biggest story in climate right now is Vice President Kamala Harris leaves for the climate conference with the biggest carbon footprint in history. She's heading to Abu Dhabi or whatever for COP28 in Joe's place with hosts under fire for wanting to push oil and gas deals. Do you know why there's so many people there? Because they realize what a scam this is and they're trying to push oil and gas deals. Anyway, she left and there's 400,000 people expected there. Now, do you really believe that there's 400,000 people are all interested in eliminating fossil fuels? I would say there are quite a few of them, given Abu Dhabi is in the Middle East and there's a lot of oil in the Middle East, that are seeking to do business because they know what a scam this is. And let's see, at its head, Sultan Al-Jabbar has denied reports he's using meetings at the summit to make side deals on fossil fuels produced by the United Arab Emirates. I'm sure he's smart enough to probably be doing that. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather, even if we can't go over to Abu Dhabi, because it's the only weather you got. As a combat wounded veteran, I know how hard it is to come home and build a meaningful life. When I was in Iraq, our vehicle was hit. A rocket propelled grenade exploded right under my seat. Traumatic brain injury, a fractured pelvis, severe burns, they didn't think I was gonna make it. I had to learn to walk again and live with the scars, both visible and invisible. 
DAV helps veterans like LaToya get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. With DAV on my side, I was able to pursue my dreams. If my story can touch a heart, it can change a life. My victory is overcoming my wounds so I can help other veterans. LaToya Lucas, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Interviews, news, and views. This is State of the Nation with Steve Hook and Brian McClain. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Yes, you are back with State of the Nation, and we're always very happy to welcome our next guest. He's the director of the Center for Regulatory Freedom at the CPAC Foundation, as well as co-host for the podcast, Andrew and Jerry Save the World. Hello, Andrew Langer. It's good to have you back. Welcome back to State of the Nation on on TNTradio.live. Yeah, listen, a lot to get into here, Andrew. Um, But let's start with this. There's been a rapid and growing rise of anti-Semitism within the left, and we've seen it. And you'd be be lying to yourself or anybody else who said it wasn't happening. It is happening. It's becoming very scary. It's also becoming a political millstone around the neck the collectivist neck, I should say, of the Democrat Party. And, it, you know, if it's not anti-Jew, uh, you're going to have a tough time convincing most Americans of that claim, given the fact that, you know, we're seeing anti-Jewish behavior, including, and this is the one that's really kind of staggering, this menorah lighting tradition yeah. and ceremony that normally happens in Virginia. Now it's being called off because they don't want to come across as they're having a taking a side in Israel Hamas. So it's fine to be Jewish in America. You just have to you just have to hide the fact. Yeah, you can't celebrate it. Um so the the, the story is developing uh Steve and it's a situation in which a a rabbi um wanted to do this event. Uh it was he 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 thought that the event was was happening. Uh and then at some point in time uh the the organizers of this festival, it's an arts festival and it happens to be in my hometown. Uh, Williamsburg, Virginia. Uh, it's a festival that happens on the second Sunday of every month. And uh, and the organizers of it, this is not done by the city of Williamsburg. This is done by a private entity. Uh, they said, yeah, um, we are we are concerned that uh, if we allow this event to happen, uh, it will send a signal that we are taking sides in the Israel Hamas conflict. And I'm thinking, OK, well, what's wrong with taking the side of the people who've been attacked? Uh, but apparently that's uh, that's not uh, to be the case. And what's fascinating to me is the sort of the immediate response, not just nationally, but even locally uh, by folks who are deeply, deeply concerned that this progressive arts organization uh, took this extraordinary step of uh, of not uh, wanting this event to take place. It's just it's absolutely insane. And then, of course, we also saw yesterday in Philadelphia, right, a mob of and listen, I get so tired of the semantics. Oh, we're not anti-Jew. We're anti-Israel. We're anti-Zionism. We're anti-whatever. Except here's the problem. An Israeli-owned restaurant in Philadelphia, a Jewish man who owns this restaurant, it's a falafel restaurant, so it's Allah-friendly, gets shut down by a group of people screaming that they hold the owner of this re- restaurant uh, to blame for genocide. They're saying if yeah. you if because you're an Israeli Jew, we're we're accusing you of genocide now. 
so um, so let's 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 do the the hierarchy maslow's hierarchy of needs let's do the hierarchy of the way it works steve it starts off with well we're not uh we're not anti-semites we're anti-zionist we're not anti-israel we're anti we're just anti uh the the apartheid state uh and then when you finally get them to admit that it is in fact anti-semitism then the leftist response as well it's anti-semitism but the only reason why the anti-semitism exists is because of donald trump and because donald trump allowed anti-semites to speak and, and so that's eventually it works its way back to blaming the situation on donald trump as we all know steve right everybody who was protesting at this falafel restaurant they certainly voted for donald trump back in uh, back both in 2016 and 2020 those are his core supporters <laughs> many of them were probably the ones that were shouting at the heavens no you know <laughs> right but, but also but also right right brian it's also they're the ones who were who were suing the trump administration over his travel ban ideas and and all of the things that the trump administration tried to do to make our borders more secure and to make sure that terrorists wasn't weren't crossing our border right that's that's the fascinating thing about about all of this this is this is where we go here it is a, a you know this is where intersectionality really is the snake eating its own tail yeah well you know we've we've spent the last i don't know decade or 15 or 20 years with sort of like this this exponential ramp up in um teaching young people to immediately jump to hashtag and and, and political reaction when they right. see something they perceive as an oppressed class being treated unfairly so I mean, it's no wonder. I mean, this this is sort of a, a case of the left eating itself, I would say, because it's like they've they've trained, they've literally radicalized, they've used the media to radicalize people over racial issues, and then when a complex racial issue comes up or a complex conflict comes up that has racial issues attached to it, uh, you know, their immediate response is not to educate themselves and try to learn how to take it from an objective perspective but to just immediately say, oh, I stand with, you know, and it's, it's like, you know, it doesn't really, it could be anything. It could, you could end up standing with either side, wh whoever the media is best at is imp imp putting the impression on you that this is the oppressed people here. And we've got them on both sides in this particular one. Well, that's, that's exactly it. It's, it's interesting. There are two things. One, I'm reminded of the, the great movie from the early 90s, PCU, uh, with Jeremy Piven and David Spade, which they talk about, they, they presage all of the things that are happening in terms of political correctness. And, and, and one of the groups they talk about are the cause heads, the people who they glom onto an important cause and stick with it, get vocal about it for about a week. I'm reminded of that. But, but you know, it's interesting because you, you raise a good point. And coming back to this situation in Williamsburg, Virginia, I've had a number of folks who've wanted to get very angry and very. I had somebody who was like, you know, write me an op-ed on this and I'll, I'll make sure it's up at the, you know, the, the head of our, our, our masthead. It's very important for us to figure out exactly what's going on here, exactly what the what decision was made, and then figure out what what the response should be. So I've been calling for on on in this particular instance in Williamsburg, I think that people should show up at this festival. I think that there should be a candle lighting ceremony, but I think it should be very simple. I think it literally should just be people in a candlelight vigil lighting candles to each other. Maybe somebody's saying a, a prayer in commemoration of. Hanukkah, which is an important uh, an important uh, uh, a date in the Jewish calendar, obviously, um, but it's all about light, and it's all about the importance of light and the bringing of light uh, to do something positive, not to do something negative with the situation. Yeah, I, I, you know the irony isn't lost on me, Andrew, that they have 
they're extinguishing the light uh, right. literally and figuratively with the, with this uh with the canceling of this but but you know I, I, like I, we've all three kind of touched on this is and i touched on when i brought john it is a millstone around the democratic party right. uh we knew damn good and well i knew it years ago when 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 the squad first got into office and pelosi deigned them with this level of importance that they certainly hadn't earned yet I knew I said, oh, oh, Democrats are going down a very dangerous trail here. And now they're having to defend the likes of uh, of a even AOC has kind of become a pariah. Right. But you've got Jayapal out there. You've got you've got Rashid Tlaib. Elon Omar has been kind of keeping her head down, but she's in the mix. Um, they, they, they kind of yeah. gave these the squad so much power. And now they're like, oh, damn, maybe we shouldn't have done that. Listen, who who had John Fetterman being lucid? on their scorecard for the end of the year. I mean, I certainly like, wait a minute. I, something is clearly wrong with me because John Fetterman is starting to make a lot of sense. So I, I, that's, that's exactly it. There is a recognition there that something has gone awry. The, the problem of course is, and, and this is for a lot of uh, folks who should uh, know better on the progressive left, uh, whose uh, uh, lives are, are directly threatened by this kind of behavior and this kind of anti-Semitism. At one point, are these constituencies in the Democratic progressive left, when are they going to wake up and realize that they can't support this anymore? Because let's be really clear here, by the way. I'm sorry, guys. What's happening now isn't the result of Donald Trump. I'm going to even go back and say it's not even you know the result of Barack Obama, though Barack Obama certainly added to this. But the anti-Semitism we're seeing in America today is the end result of a half century of the progressive left infiltrating academia with this idea that Israel is an apartheid state, uh, that uh, the Palestinians are uh, the, the victims here, that Israel colonized. That's all, you know, five decades more or more of progressive policies coming home to roost, progressive propaganda coming home to roost. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's well stated for sure. And Thank it's you. just... And, and you know what it is, Andrew, that drives me nuts about it is a quick perusal of any genuine history book kind of destroys that notion, really. I mean, good guy. Do we need to go back to the 1967 war and 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 realize that, you know, this was a war that was waged and it was Egypt controlled that region of uh, what became Israel now. But I mean, this isn't yeah. even about Israel Hamas, as far as I'm concerned. It's about the and we talked about it earlier with Esther before you came on. This is about the complete, basically, uh, dismissal of westernized values of Judeo-Christian, yeah. uh, uh, you know, ways of life. I mean, we're we're supposed to feel guilty about that now, and I well, just think that's... that it's absurd. No, and that and that's absolutely true. There, is, there has been a war on Western civilization being waged uh, about as long, if not longer, uh, than the war on Israel. And you're right; the two parts are are two halves of the same whole. Uh, and by the way, let's all recognize as a as a basic precept in the laws of war uh, that if your country is invaded. And as a result, you, the country that was invaded, are able to grow and gain more territory to act as a buffer around your country so you're not invaded again. You get to keep that country. You don't have to give it back. That's that's just that's just the way it is. It's just very, very simple here. That's the way it's always going, been. Yeah. And 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 going back to the the menorah lighting, I mean, I would hope that we could all just agree that this is actually a First Amendment issue. Like if we strip everything away from it, like you and 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 there's also also you could you know juxtapose that with this is a private organization i suppose right. and you know like they can do what they want just like facebook and all that stuff so it's like on the one hand 
Um, like you said, Andrew, I agree. If you want to go do it, go do it. Have a vigil outside to make, you know, have the thing happen. But at the same time, like we're seeing, um, you know, these events, these protests, people highly, you know, you know, excited about all this going on on one side or the other. And when you look at the events throughout the entire West, sure. They're not a landslide, you know what I mean? It's like kind of a 60-40 thing for who people are supporting. So as a, a business, I kind of understand why you might be like, I don't want to invite that sort of thing. But at the same time, it's like, it's a tough balance there because Here, it does kind of make a comment, doesn't it? It's it's very simple, right? And you're absolutely correct, right? This organization, it's a private organization that puts on this festival. They have the right to deny access to anybody. If they don't want somebody to participate, that's within their right. The, the, the problem here, of course, is that they engage in their commercial activity, uh, or even if it's a nonprofit organization, they engage in their organizational activity by using public spaces. So whether or not it's the six streets uh, in Williamsburg that get shut down um, with the cooperation of the Williamsburg Police Department, or whether it's the land in front of the public library or the land where the city council meets, that's public land, public spaces, and the public has a right to occupy those um, you know, and that's what I'm, that's all I'm saying here is if you're going to be down there anyway, this is part of what we're, we're still working on the plans here, but if you're going to be down there anyway, uh, you want to come in and light a candle to celebrate Hanukkah. Well, we'll, we'll provide you with the candles and we may, we may say a prayer because it's our right to stand in this public space and gather under the first amendment to do that. As long as we're not listening, as long as we're not interfering with anything that happens with the, the second Sunday, um, uh, then, then we're good to go. Their first amendment rights are protected. Our first amendment rights are protected. Yeah, it makes sense. And, and, and I just wish that people would, yeah, this is the problem, Andrew, is that nobody wants to separate this from, you know, the, the, the left and the, frankly, some on the right are, are even saying, well, look, why don't we just not do this? So we don't provoke a violent assault. Well, that's, to, to, to Hesher's point, that is an absolute, right? Uh, just a trampling of First Amendment. But not only that, it's it's basically saying, you know, you'd be better off if you just kind of kept your mouth shut. You know, something that's, that just that's, doesn't sit well with me. That's exactly right. It's it's funny because uh, uh, there is a someone pointed out that there is another menorah lighting ceremony happening uh, next week elsewhere in Williamsburg. And, and folks should just go to that. And like, OK. Well, we can go to that. It's our our right. To, it's our right to go to a menorah lighting ceremony, and it's right to go any anywhere and do this. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, this is a prime area where we should be drawing attention to what this festival is about. What this not the not the second Sunday, but what the season is about. Um, and it's right, and you could tie both Christmas and Hanukkah together in this. One is about light and making sure that light is there and 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 light to illuminate the darkness. The other one is about peace on earth and goodwill towards men. So let's bring the, uh, those elements together and do some kind of a, a candlelight vigil and and not make it about uh, about negativity and the negative reactions that folks will have to it or might have to it. Hey, peace on earth and goodwill towards Amen. men. We need more of that right now. We really do uh, because let's face it. Uh, the federal government wants to divide us or the CIA with the media up their fist or whatever's going on there. <laughs> right. Uh, that's that's not a good look for the holidays. So uh, do it up. Light those candles. My goodness. Enjoy your First Amendment and uh, let's work toward keeping it. And you can work toward keeping it by following Andrew Langer. Uh, of course, host of the Lunch Hour podcast and co-host of Andrew and Jerry Save the World. 
Uh, you know, we were watching the uh, your most recent upload there, the Andrew Langer show. Really enjoyed, really enjoyed. Thanks. Uh, follow him on YouTube. Andrew Langer, thank you for joining us once again. We always appreciate your perspective here on State of the Nation at TNT Radio.